Hello and welcome to Being Black in Britain, the podcast that captures the nature and the essence of the black experience across the UK. My name's Chedza and I am your host. I'm also the co-founder and director of the Rara Education Project and I'm thrilled to be here with you today recording at the Liverpool Podcast Studios. Today we are joined by an inspiring guest, Jen Harris, an award-winning criminology PhD researcher with key interests in matters concerning policing and race relations. With almost a decade of experience working and volunteering across the criminal justice system, Jen is also the founder of the Crimitalk and the Black Criminology Network. In this episode, we'll discuss Jen's career journey, her achievements and her contributions towards the study of criminology in the UK. So thank you, Jen, for being our first guest on being black in Britain. The first question then I have to ask you, Jen, is why why two organisations? Why did you have to found the Crimi Talk and the Black Criminology Network? What's the difference? So um, it wasn't a case of, uh, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> and um, secondly, uh, it wasn't a case of just having two organisations. I didn't wake up and say, you know, I want two separate entities. I want mm. one just for black people and one just for everyone else. Mm. Um, so ironically, the Crimi Talk came first. Okay. Um, and I launched that back in 2016. And the rationale behind that was I was doing my master's degree and I identified a little bit, I don't want to say gap, um, but there was an opportunity to um, engage with other people um, in criminology and just mm. bridge that gap between understanding what I'm learning in academia mm. and how then to translate that to, you know, just general everyday okay. uh I was going to say lexicon, but here we go, the (laughs) irony of that. Uh, Everyday vocabulary. Um, So that's where it essentially stemmed from. And then we started to run a few initiatives off the back of that. And it's still going now, not as uh, prevalent as it once was, Mm. um, but it's still going now. We support students, um, individuals, just everyday individuals in understanding criminology and theories and Mm. just concepts. Um, So that was that back in 2016. Uh, And then we fast forward to 2020 when I found out I was starting my PhD. Right. Um, So it was all exciting. And then after the dust settled a little bit and, you know, the the family were really (laughs) excited and it was like, oh my God, the reality sat in. I remember sitting in my um, house and Mm. I was just like, oh my God, in a few months time, I'm going to start my PhD. Where do I actually begin? Mm. I don't have anyone... Um, I'm first gen PhD, so mm. um, there was no one else in my direct space that had done one for me to ask questions. Mm. Um, and I thought, right, okay, I need to go out and find a little bit of a tribe, so to speak, you mm. know, especially um, having been through the academic experience and doing other qualifications. Yeah, there yeah. is also that cultural competency that's required. Um, so, yes, there are, you know, groups out there that support everyone. Mm. Um, but I needed, I knew in that moment, I needed something that was a little bit more bespoke. So Mm. I went out, looked for it, couldn't find what I was looking for. So I thought, right, I'm going to start it. Mm. Um, And, you know, a Twitter post blew up into into what it is now. So we do run events, et cetera, and, you know, support individuals, help people with applications Mm -hmm. um, and a few, an an array of other things. So as I said, it wasn't just a case of, you know, having these two um, entities, um, you know, I've kind of given myself a rod from my own back because yeah, now I have yeah. two organisations to run. There's so many people that I want to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, you know, we've got a team for each of them and, and stuff like that. So Brilliant. that's the origins behind both Brilliant. of them. And am I right in assuming then you are running these with teams? Are you running this single-handedly? What does that look like? So I'm the founder of both. Okay. So um, 
to a certain extent, I obviously have oversight and the legal responsibility to make right. sure as community interest companies, they run properly. Yep. Um, but I do have two volunt- voluntary teams on both teams. Both organisations have voluntary teams, very small, but very small. Mm. Um, and they do amazing jobs. You know, they are, um, they all have their own journeys. They're all, you know, doing different things in and around criminology themselves right. or right. Not necessarily criminology, but, you know, broader subjects. You know, we've got some people on the Criminal Talk that have got psychology degrees, law degrees. Um, You know, people that are on the Black Criminology Network that Mm. are practitioners that Mm. are doing just a lot of research in different areas. So I have got two small groups, you know, that keep them driving and and stuff like that. So it's not just me. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. But my question then is why, why criminology? Why not nursing? Why not education? Uh, that's a really good question uh growing up actually I you know uh, for my own sins I wanted to be a cardiovascular surgeon okay uh, and that fell away that kind of passion fell away and I, I started to grow interested in understanding crime um this is just a really roundabout a, sh- a short way of explaining it but um mm-hmm. I became very interested in understanding crime and you know um, growing up in, in the city of Birmingham and trying to to understand you know, why some people committed crimes or why some people didn't, Mm. Um, you know, why some people misbehaved at school and why some people that did misbehave at school ended up getting, um, you know, put in, not pupil referral, that's not the right phrase, isolation. Mm. Um, And then why some of the students didn't. So I was always quite inquisitive um, and it wasn't until I'd done my A-levels and I'd done a module in so- my sociology A-levels, I'd done a module on crime deviance in society. Mm-hmm. And I loved it so much. It was so interesting. Ironically now, with, you know, having years on, mm. there are a lot of things and theories that like need to be debunked and stuff. Of course. But, <laughs> but at the time, it was really interesting. You know, 15, 16 year old me at the time, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. Um was really interested in it and I you know when it came to the day to you know decide what I wanted to do for my um, degree mm. I went I decided to scrap what I was I was going to do uh, which was actually English at the time <laughs> um I was going to go to uni and do English because uh, I quite enjoy that subject as well yeah. uh, English literature mm. um and I just decided on a whim behind my parents back <laughs> Uh, to go through clearing I asked my my uh, head of year at the time head of year 12 I said oh can I just go through clearing she's like are you sure I was like no but I'm gonna do it and I went and I went off and got a degree in um, sociology and how did you how did your parents respond to that when they found out did they feel betrayed well (laughs) I remember (laughs) my mum wasn't happy so I come from a Caribbean household so you can imagine (laughs) you can imagine you can imagine but um yeah so my mum wasn't best pleased you know growing up like I said I've always wanted to be a cardiovascular surgeon so to one go behind their back and submit my UCAS Mm. in sixth form and not apply for any medical Mm. um, degrees was one thing and then two to then decide that I'm not even going to go for what I've applied for Mm. I'm going to go for something completely different based on one module Mm. out of the millions I did at my A-levels so she she wasn't best pleased when I called her and I says oh you know you never guess what I've got into uni oh yeah man yeah man (laughs) Ah, but I'm going to go and study something (laughs) Uh, so that wasn't great but yeah, you yeah. know at the end of the day like it's it's all gone full circle yeah, you know, my, my yeah. mum's really proud before my dad passed away was exceptionally mm. proud of the journey that I was going into so um, so yeah it's, it's worked and mm. I've had to make it work because mm. one thing I thought I can't let them down you know of so, course um, of course I think what's what's really interesting there from your introduction and from what you're saying here about the role of family and even the heart behind establishing these organisations, the key need there is that social support. Yeah. And I think that over the last couple of years, that seems to be 
the heart behind a lot of our organisations um, that have been established, especially sort of post-George Floyd around sort of 2020, there was a need to create a support system around ourselves because the resource wasn't there, the support wasn't there. And we, you know, I say it as myself, as a researcher, as an academic, there was so much support that I couldn't have, I couldn't have made it to this point in time without that network yeah. so it's really interesting that you say that and how would you describe sort of the social support around you now yes you've built your own but do you feel sufficiently supported to engage in this body of work to keep pursuing this work in the research world specifically yeah um so just to add on to your point I think it's really important you know um and where there is a gap and you know where marginalized and not necessarily just marginalized communities but people that are mainly marginalized and they identify they yeah. do need that support yeah if there's something that's not out there just if you've got the capacity, build, build it because there are probably other people that feel the way you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a benefit of it. You know, you have your space, but then you can then go back into mm. mainstream spaces mm. and, and, and function. Um, but yeah, so in relation to like, do I feel that I've got social support? It's interesting. You know, like I said, building my tribe was, was relatively important moving into the PhD space because mm. I knew it was, you know, completely different to my master's and I'm getting older and there are a lot of other responsibilities that yeah, I have, yeah. have now. Um, so... Yes, I do. I do have the support and, you know, it comes in different forms. It comes in. And I think that's another thing is acknowledging the types of support you have yeah. and, and where they best fit. You know, not every piece of support is necessary for every element mm. of your life. Mm. And, you know, I've got and I try my best to compartmentalize everything because at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm a black woman. Mm. I am, you know, I've got the organizations where I, I need to pour into other people, but in order to pour into other people, I need to make sure that my support network's okay. It, so, you know, it. my family, my friends, my, um, you know, people I've worked with, you know, and maintaining professional relationships as well are really important. Mm. And, you know, um, external organizations like yourselves you know even though we you know you're doing what you're doing where you are I always know that professionally I can reach out to you Mm. and organizations on the periphery as well Mm. so for me I'm definitely in a place where I um have enough support you can always have more Mm. you know um but it's not just about you know like I say professional family friends there's also that emotional element I think is really 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 important because life will get you down things will get you down. Um, and so, you know, I, I make sure that I try and pour into that as well. You yeah, know, I've got yeah, a space yeah. where when I feel like I may potentially be depleted mentally or emotionally, mm. there's somewhere I can go, you know, um, and I've got a means to sort that out and get support Indeed. where I need to. So, yeah. can, can we zoom in on that, actually, in terms of sort of the mental health side of things? How would you describe the way that you you manage your your well-being your mental health especially thinking so if you started 2020 you started doing your PhD in the thick of a lot of social and economic chaos Um, and yes we're post pandemic right now but how have you managed your health and well-being in the midst of building your own thing in the midst of starting this brand new um, research project and building this network out yeah how has that been for you? Difficult. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I, I don't like to sugarcoat things. I like to be as transparent as possible. Yeah, yeah. It's been really difficult in that, you know, um, elements of resistance, you mm. know, from from people or people that fail to understand some of the vision. And that's OK. You know, not everyone's going to understand things that you're doing or the rationale yeah, behind yeah. it um, or the potential impact you'd like to, to portray. Mm. Uh, but it has been tough. Um, you know, starting during the pandemic was difficult. You know, the it was it was just everyone was emotionally depleted, mm. you know, and, and still some people are still, you know, in, within that hangover phase of the pandemic. Mm. Um, and just, 
yeah, it was tough um, and how I overcame it. Um, I'm going to be honest, like I said, I mentioned before about like the support networks that I have, but also with internally, like being honest with myself. Mm. And it's something that I've, I probably wouldn't say I did maybe towards the beginning of the PhD, but mm. being a lot more honest with myself. If I can't write today, I'm not going to write. Mm. If I don't want to read today, I'm not going to read. Like mm. the PhD will get done. What my potential impact or what I'd like to do for society will hopefully get done. Mm. Um, but it's that ease of, you know, making sure I'm not putting too much pressure on myself yep. and, you know, living, you have one life, you know? Yep. So, um, so yeah, it was really difficult at the time. There was just a lot going on. Um, you know, it was from a research point of view, it was really beneficial because a lot of research was, you know, there's a lot out there anyway, yeah, but a yeah. lot more, a lot of people decided that they wanted to write about it. Not everyone should have, but <laughs> that's another story for another day. It's not for everybody. Yeah, um, <laughs> but a lot of people were writing about it. You know, there was a lot of material out there, yeah. but then that does have its knock-on effect because there's a lot more that I have to absorb. And, yeah. you know, and then, you know, also individual lived experiences mm. as well. Um, taking that into account was quite difficult. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so it was tough, bittersweet. Um, but like I said, if it wasn't for that bittersweet and, you know, the horrible circumstances that underpin it are really unfortunate. And, you know, I take my hat off to anyone that's still here and preserve persevering. Um, but for me, yeah, it was just, just a case of being honest with myself throughout that journey now Mm, and thinking mm. like sometimes slow down, sometimes Mm, stop. mm. This is too much. You can't read that today. You know, is that beyond your emotional capacity Um, and stuff like that? So. I think sometimes we can be quite heavily influenced by that hustle culture that says, you know, you need to work hard. I'm up early at 5am. I work X number of hours a day. This is my output. And I think getting caught up in that is just so toxic. It is. but Because we can't keep up. No, but it it is. But it's like, to a certain extent, culturally, that's what's ingrained in us, isn't it? You know, you have to work twice as hard. You have to to work twice as hard, you know. (laughs) Literally. Um, And oh my God, my patois is so (laughs) My mom's going to watch this and she's going to be like, What are you doing? Jen, shut up. What are you actually Um, doing? (laughs) But but no, like, you know, that that hustle mentality is unfortunately ingrained in our culture and in our psyche. And, you know, for the the most part anyway, you know, not everybody lives that, but... Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it's it's it, when you really sit down and think about it, it is a horrible. Yeah, you know, yeah. I want you know. I don't necessarily know if it's all the way soft life that I want, but I know I want to be as near as possible. I'm not to gonna soft lie, life. I want a soft life, Jen. <laughs> I'm ready for the soft life because can you see my eyes are red? <laughs> can you see my eyes are red? Like I don't sleep, like sometimes I realize I just don't sleep well because I'm so caught up in getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. It's the deadlines. There's a speaking engagement. There's an event. There's a paper that needs to be put in and it's just like, sometimes it just feels like it never finishes, it never ends. Yeah, but sometimes um, you just have to say no and you know, yeah, like I, that's yeah. one thing like now I'm starting to realise and acknowledge, you know, yeah, like it's okay yeah. to say no. It really know? is. Um, so yeah. It really is. But um, looking at your research then in terms of um, the nature of the topic you're exploring, what are you finding are the present most pressing issues socially, especially in aspects of policing and, and their relationship with, with the black community? What, yeah, what is kind of a red flag area of concern right now there's so many I know um, itemise maybe top three yeah, things that um, come to the forefront it's interesting so like my research obviously I've got my research but I do try and read beyond my yeah, research and yeah. just to get a bit more of a holistic and contextual mm. understanding of what's going on out in the world mm. um, but one thing for me when I first started I remember starting off on what's currently known what's the main thing that you know yeah. and a lot of the things that come out are you know your um, the unfortunate um, case surrounding um, Stephen Lawrence's death mm. you know you read a lot about that as historically um, 
um, you know, the 2011 riots, mm. you often hear a lot about, there's a lot of research out there about the prominent things. But for me, one thing I'm starting to acknowledge and really, I don't want to say appreciating, but really trying to put at the forefront of my research is in regards to, you know, race and policing, is that the absence and the invisibility of black women. Mm. And um, which is really, I feel, part of me feels really, can I swear? Be free, man. Yeah, part of me feels really shit in that I didn't pick up on it to the extent I have now um, at the beginning of my PhD journey because uh, when you consider, you know, violence against women um, and girls and like the um, domestic abuse and, you know, the lack of reporting, the lack of support mm. within with it, that black women have around them um, amongst many other issues. So that's probably one prevalent thing, you know, um, you know, knife crime is a, a thing that's often spoken about and that's really up there. Um, but, you know, one other thing that I'm acknowledging in my research is that lack of cultural competency f mm. between, you know, that that police have towards uh, black communities. Mm. And, you know, there, there there are elements of work. I try, I really do try and keep my ear out on what's going on nationally mm. um, and to a certain extent internationally. Um, and I am seeing bodies of work, you know, whether it be, you know, in their best interests or not, or, you know, who's, what, whatever the intentions are, but I am, I, yeah, I am seeing stuff. Um, but like for me, like when I see some of these things, I, I do think have, you know, have communities been consulted? Have, is this in the best interest? You yeah. know, have intersectional, intersectional approaches been considered? You know, have the real nuances been touched on? Because yeah. otherwise initiatives are a waste of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so for me, I'd probably say the at the moment, like that, what's really up there and what's really alarming um, is the invisibility of you know black women and their experiences um, mm. and you know engagements with police. Um, what what do you think can be done to respond to that then to address that? There are a lot of community initiatives out there. Um, there are a lot. Um, and they, you know, they are probably say if, you know, people can start pouring into them, you know, supporting these organisations. Mm. Um, I'm not going to promote any because that's not what I'm here for. But um, pouring into a lot of these community organisations mm. that are actively doing the groundwork and okay. trying to support people. Um, and also not just having that dependence on these community organisations, because while they're great, there is an element of power dynamics, which mm. which seep into every element of society. But mm. Um, just making sure that those that are in, you know, positions of power are, are utilising, you know, research that's coming through community organisations to do the, the right thing and support, mm, mm. you know, where there are pitfalls. Indeed. Um, so. Okay. And then thinking forward then. So, yeah, right now you're doing your research. Yes, your research. Yes, we've got Crimi Talk. Yes, we've got uh, the Black Criminology Network. Where Where is all this going? So the next couple of years, five years, 10 years, what are you seeing in terms of the direction of your entire body of work? That's a really good question. Um, and I, re I ponder on this a lot mm. um, because there not many people understand what I do and why I do you know mm -hmm. some people think oh my god you're just wasting time but um for me like I've always had a passion of helping people mm -hmm. because like I said mentioned before a lot of the things that I've launched are off the back of you know my own experiences or things that I've observed or mm. observed god, mm. I can't talk sorry <laughs> um but either things that I've observed or you know that deficit where people do need support so for me if I can continue my life and you know make a legacy not even necessarily make a legacy but if I can continue my life um supporting people in 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 the avenues that I know how to um mm. that'll be great so for the crimi talk um, if we can get to a position where we can just continue as business as usual, just supporting um, students, individuals that want to understand criminology. You know, mm -hmm. there, there, there's always, especially now, there's always a podcast, there's always a documentary, yep. there's always yep. something coming out and there's always an opportunity to translate 
those things in and understand some of the theoretical underpinnings so being yeah. that conduit between yeah. you know education and, and real life mm-hmm. um so you know but for the black criminology network is continuing to to, to have that platform for yeah. you know black criminologists or yeah. those that want to support black criminologists um you know, and if I can continue doing both of those for the rest of my days and in relation to my PhD, mm. um, you know, utilising, you know, the, the the skills or the knowledge that I've acquired for the betterment of, you know, that those those issues between policing and mm. black communities, mm. you know. Um, so th- that's it for me. So the overarching thing is I just want to help. Mm. Um, and, you know, if I, I always say if I die tomorrow, did I do enough? Did mm. I, you know, mm. and, and touch wood, I don't die tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if I do die tomorrow, I have life insurance. But um, but please stop but it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm with that. And I think something about what you said there about legacy. It's a really interesting thing when we're trying to think about what we want to leave behind, how we want to be remembered. And sometimes we might not do anything particularly drastic, but you've sown a seed, haven't you? You've. I remember being at a conference time, and this guy said. We might not necessarily build a whole house, build a complete structure, but your body of work is at least a brick on that wall. That's that's part of that building yeah. process. Do you know what I mean? So we'll we'll never really know the impact of our body yeah, of work. Exactly, and and as well, there are so many people that um you know that have along my I done a talk a few months ago and mm. and I spoke about some of the people along the way and I had to really sit down and think you know at this age who influenced me and yeah. it's sometimes indirect influences you know I remember reading a book by a black author when I was in school mm. um and when I think about some things that I do now in relation to the quality the way in which I'd like to write mm. and the quality of my writing mm. I think why am I so hard on myself you mm. know and I think ah because I remember reading this book when I was like 13 12 Mm. or 13 Mm. and the quality of the writing was so good um you know and I remember thinking you know I always want to make sure that I write well Mm. and you know it's 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 absorbable and people can take it in um so like you say it's those indirect influences Influences, and you know maybe one day I might have you know that'll be great if I do but if I don't then you know it is what it is but I've done what I can you know that's it that's it last one then so if you were to speak to 16 year old you right now in view of everything that you've seen, experienced, gone through, how would you advise yourself, encourage yourself wherever you were at age 16? Oh God, that's a good question. So that was like, age 16, what are you in? Because you're giving away, you're giving away my age. (laughs) What year year are you in when you're 16? You're in like? Uh, Year 11. Year 11, you're doing your GCSEs then. So yeah, GCSE you. Uh, I'd probably say don't worry. Like, (laughs) honestly, just... Don't worry, like, enjoy else. your teen years. Yeah. It's ironic, I have a, a cousin, she's she's 15, turning mm-hmm. 16. So, um, you know, there are a lot of things that I try and, you know, pour into her, yeah. and, you know, just tell her, just enjoy life, you mm-hmm. know, just mm-hmm. young. Um, because once those years, and this, oh my God, I sound like my mom. Ah! Oh! <laughs> but honestly, once those years go, yeah. it's, it's, it's different. You can't claw them back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just say, don't worry, have fun, you know, make friends. Don't worry about the friends that you have at the moment mm. if they don't like you it's fine you know just find other friends mm. live life find something and just enjoy it live absolutely so. absolutely and for those that are listening now if anyone wants to look you up see what you're doing find you find your organizations where can they go um so obviously the crimi talk you can google us mm-hmm. uh, the black criminology network you can google us we're on social media we are absolutely everywhere um i say everywhere for the most part we're <laughs> on most pla- majority of platforms the crimi talk does have a podcast so you can also look for us on, on streaming services um 
the Black Criminology Network. Again, just search us. Um, and myself, uh, you can find me on social media and it's Criminologen. So that's C-R-I-M-I-N-O-L-O-J-E-N. Yes. So Criminologen. I actually spelt it right this time. Um, but yeah, um, I'm sure the details will be under this Absolutely. file. I can send them over to video. Um, I can send them to you. But yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Jen. If you want to learn a bit more about her work, you can visit the Crimi Talk or the Black Criminology Network. The links will be embedded in the caption below. If you did enjoy this episode, leave us a comment, a thought, maybe a question. If you're listening via YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, like and share this episode. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you soon.